Hey everyone, it's Bernie from Burn Appetit and the Three Beers in a Mic Extended Universe, and I'm here to talk to you about something that is not only delicious, but also makes an impact. Thrive Coffee is a non-profit craft coffee roaster based out of Richmond, Virginia, who uses coffee to create careers and training opportunities for individuals with disabilities. Founded in 2019, Thrive Coffee's beans are locally roasted in small batches to ensure the highest quality, and they ship nationwide. They have five blends, including Campfire, Red Bike, Dogwood, Decaf, and even a fun seasonal castaway summer blend for when you just want to get away and enjoy a great cup of coffee. And their five single origins are Colombia, Kenya, Sumatra, Honduras, and Brazil. And just three bags sold pays for one hour work for their differently abled employees. So it sounds like a Brazilian good reasons to check out their website at drinkthrive.org. Or their social media at Drink Thrive Co. to buy a few bags today. And as an added bonus, Drink Thrive is giving our listeners a special promo code that gives you 15% off your first order. Just head over to drinkthrive.org and enter three beers at checkout. Again, that's drinkthrive.org, promo code three beers. Let's support this great cause. My mother's a little high-strung. The fact is, you'd be working for me. She can say anything she likes, but she can't fire you. I wouldn't be in your shoes if the sweet Lord Jesus come down and asked me himself. I don't need you. I don't want you. And I don't like you saying I'm rich. What are you doing? I'm trying to drive you to the stove. You're speeding, I can see it. We're only doing about 19 miles an hour. I like to go under the speed limit. But speed limit's 35, yeah. Nothing came easy. Morning, Miss Daisy. You leave my flower bed alone. They didn't connect. I just love a house of pictures, Miss Daisy. I don't want you nosing through my things. They couldn't agree. You took the wrong turn at Old Palatka. Well, now you took it with me, Miss Daisy. And you got the man. They wouldn't give in. Well, I'll help you to the door. Thank you, Hoke. I can help myself. Now, ain't just some back of the net you look at while you're going wherever you got to go. I'm a man. But from place to place... I ever tell you about the first time I leave the state of Georgia? When was that? A few minutes back. <laughs> from season to season... It's not a Christmas present. Oh, no. Well, go on, open it up. Well, look at that. Ain't nobody never given that book before, Miss Daisy. <laughs> For 25 years, they shared each other's lives. You ought not to be driving anything the way you see. How you know how I can see less than you can look out my eyes. And touched each other's hearts. Hope? Yes. You're my best friend. Morgan Freeman, Jessica Tandy, Dan Aykroyd, Driving Miss Daisy. Did you have the air condition check? I told you to have the air condition check. I don't know what for. You don't never allow me to turn it on. Hush up. Goodbye. Good luck. Good God. Welcome to the Dan Aykroyd podcast. I may leave all that stuff in. There was a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> that came before this introduction. But we are back, and I am back with Miguel and Ed, Miguel Sanchez and Edward Ball. Say hello, gentlemen. What's up, everyone? Hello. Now, this is our third one together. Uh, we did Indiana Jones, 
and uh, the Temple of Doom, and we did Christmas with the Cranks. And I believe during one of those, it was brought up that Dan Aykroyd was nominated for an Oscar in Driving Miss Daisy. And when when you guys heard that, you're like, we got to do Driving Miss Daisy. So that's what we're here to do. We're here to do Driving Miss Daisy's. Daisy, just one. We did it. We did it. Now, this has been, we have had to cancel this twice because of baby problems. Not today, though. We're ready. Not today. Yeah. Uh, the babies, the babies are fine. We, yes. the babies are fine. But uh, as we were discussing, this was our, all three of us, our first time viewing this movie. None of us yeah, have never seen, seen it, before. it before. No, uh, it's something that obviously, like, I've heard Driving Miss Daisy, and I caught kind of the premise from like pop culture and things like that. But it was uh, fun to actually sit down and actually give it a go. And the title. The title was a giveaway. Yes. Mm, yes, I think they drive right, Miss Daisy. <laughs> mm. <clears throat> yes, this is a, a big pop culture reference. I, it was nominated for nine Academy Awards, and it won four. One of those yep. nominations was for Dan Aykroyd for Best Supporting Actor. Which is what we're here for. Which is what we're here for. That's what we're all about. But he didn't win. He did not win. Uh, the only a- the uh, Jessica Tandy, Morgan Freeman, Jessica Tandy, and Dan Aykroyd were all nominated, and Jessica Tandy was the only one who won. She won for best best actress. That was a tough year. Uh, looking at the winners of uh, which, I guess for the viewers or the listeners' uh, sake, uh, Dan Aykroyd was beaten by Denzel Washington for Glory. Oh. Yeah. So that was like uh, that was like an easy choice there, I feel like, but wow. Oh not. I don't if know. You're gonna get, you know, if you're going to get beat, I wouldn't mind getting <laughs> That's not beat. a bad yeah. way to go. Yeah. Denzel's one of the greatest actors of forever. So yeah. yeah. He is and not it's it's really uh, cuz uh Morgan Freeman was nominated and didn't win, but he cuz not enough uh black actors and actresses have been represented with academy who, awards and who know. was up against morgan freeman uh, who did uh, he well, lose to th- this was another tough one it's, uh daniel day lewis won it for my left foot oh oh yeah whenever yeah. you play handicap that's almost <laughs> a shoe in no and daniel day lewis <laughs> yeah he he wins that's all he does is win if he had done driving miss daisy uh, oh no forget about it <laughs> Um, all right. Well, yeah, that's that's pretty uh Dan Aykroyd, you know what I mean? Tough tough competition when you go up against Denzel Washington. But yeah, uh, I think maybe later in the in the episode we can talk. Did he deserve that nomination? Yes or no? I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. I, I would be curious. What was your overall view of the movie viewing it for the first time? Yeah, I guess for whatever reason it ended up on my back burner for the longest time it just seems like one of those movies where you kind of already get it before you watch it kind of thing like it's not pivotal viewing uh or like it wasn't to me like going into it i guess um like i knew it won best picture it's just one of those like uh i'm sure one of those like comfort movies in the 90s or whatever that just like played on tv all the time uh but somehow i guess i just never got around to catching it and uh yeah i don't know this might have 
this might be something to do with just because of how old it is but like going into it it's just like you you do just feel very confident that you know maybe not how it plays out but just the kind of movie that it's going to be and it is basically on the nose for every uh joke or cliche about that <laughs> movie is you know what i mean it's just like very i know exactly handy. what you're saying yes very, yeah very very theatrical it is based on a play right yes yeah. the the uh <laughs> the guy who wrote the play adapted the screenplay that's right yeah it was uh i mean even though obviously they go to different locations you could definitely feel like so many other movies that were based on plays back then and i'm thinking like steel magnolias and um there's other ones <laughs> for sure uh, <laughs> I'm with this. right now but, still, yeah. but just like the very melodramatic but very uh like story of america kind of story you know i don't know um it kind of just like checked off all the boxes of what i imagined it to be uh, it surprised me in ways that, like, it covers like a huge time span, yeah, in very short time. It doesn't, it doesn't dawdle by any means. It very, it moves pretty quickly, uh, which I appreciated. Um, and I mean, the performance with the performances were fine. They were like, it was quaint. That was that's probably a good movie. Uh, a word for the whole movie in general is quaint. It's just very charming. I can see why people, why it was like maybe a crowd pleaser at the time. Um, and it's got like just enough of a message, I guess, to have one, you know, best picture and all the accolades and stuff. So those are my initial thoughts, I guess. I don't want to like keep going into it. Otherwise, I'm going to go down a dark hole. <laughs> you were talking about uh, you were mentioning commenting on how it was uh, over like a time span of however many years but i am such a dummy like i even knew that going in like because it talks about it in like the uh, synopsis of the film you yeah. know told over many decades or whatever i totally forgot that as i started watching and it wasn't until towards the end when she was like do you still drive that car and he was like no that thing's been in the junkyard for like 15 years <laughs> i was like <laughs> oh fuck they've been i for, totally forgot they've been going through time all this time and i commented on it and kristen was like yeah my wife she was like <clears throat> yeah look at dan Aykroyd. he's so old now and i was like i totally didn't even acknowledge that the entire time dan Aykroyd was my cue when i knew things had jumped a couple of years because yeah. yeah he had very just like put on uh like old people makeup kind of thing yeah i was just like oh okay so this is actually like a leap forward interesting all right yeah, and I'm just like, history's not my strong suit. So, like, you could tell, like, they were touching on historical things that were supposed to kind of just, like, hint at where they were. And yeah. I was just like, no, nah, all this happens, this, I mean, this is like a month later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, no. It started in the late 40s, and I think it either ended in the late 60s or early 70s. So that's, because I think. So she was just old for a really long time. She was old for a really long time. And I think at the end of the movie, Morgan Freeman is the age that she was when he first met her. And wow. she, was at, she was in her yeah. 90s at the end of the movie. The thing with the makeup, which I thought was really good, is you could see the drastic change in Dan Aykroyd, but the change yeah. between Morgan Freeman and Jessica Tandy was a lot more subtle because yeah. once yeah. you reach a certain age, you know, the aging 
gets a little, it's more subtle along the way. When, like Dan mm-hmm. Aykroyd was, I'm guessing, was pl- started in his mid, his late 30s, and at the end of the movie was in his early 60s. So during yeah. that time frame, you're going to go through a lot of changes. But when you start older, you don't, you get older, but it doesn't, I, well, I go what I'm trying to say is I thought they did a really good job because the makeup won an Academy Award. Um, it did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's why I had so much trouble with it. It's just I didn't, the two main characters that were on screen the most didn't change too drastically. And I just kind of got caught up in it without even realizing time was changing. Yeah. No, it's very subtle. And again, not until the very end. I mean, and it's really just like more from her mannerisms and how she acts around people. I mean, because, I mean, Morgan Freeman's basically wearing a hat for most of the movie. Um, So you could barely, and like Morgan Freeman is one of those actors who, at least for as long as we've been alive, he's always been the older, he's just the old guy kind of thing. Like he, uh, he he just like comes across as always middle-aged kind of thing. Yes. (laughs) And wise. Uh, And wise. Yes. Yeah. You know, I have to say going into this movie just briefly, I was kind of looking forward to it. I've been on this kick lately where, uh, and I feel like I've talked about this before, but I am really into movies that are like that were popular, but I just never saw them for whatever reason. I feel I like getting to go back and kind of experience those for the first time, kind of like what it felt like to watch it then too. Uh, so kind of right away, I was sucked into this movie and was like pretty into it all the way down. This is another one of those movies that I didn't really pick up my phone too much. I was invested. And uh, a couple of moments even just really surprised me and took me by, you know, shock. And I, I came away from this movie going, man, I can't believe I hadn't seen this sooner. I really liked it. Well, it's really a character movie because yeah, as totally. said, not a lot of stuff happens in it, but it's the relationship between Morgan Freeman and Jessica Tandy and Morgan Freeman and Dan Aykroyd. And yeah, it's very, it's a, it's a character piece for the most mm-hmm. part. Definitely. I think they tackle race relations like, uh, you know, pretty, uh, you know, they, they seem to have a pretty good handle on it without being like too uh, leaning one way or the other kind of deal. Uh, they well, both uh, experience things. Well, the one thing that I didn't know, which is uh, Jessica Tandy and Dan Aykroyd are they play uh, Jewish people in this movie. Mm-hmm. And just the way they spoke, it's Morgan Freeman's like, well, some people talk bad about Jews around me, and I never, you know, I don't, don't talk like that around. <laughs> it, it was refreshing because back w- when this movie started in the 40s, uh, uh, being Jewish could be seen in a bad light by a lot of people. But but Jessica Tandy is proud to be Jewish. And yeah, absolutely. She's, you know, she goes to she goes to Temple. Uh, she's not she's not ashamed to let anybody she's not hiding that she's Jewish, but she is hiding that she's rich. Miss Daisy, now it's just a shame. They got this fine Hudson automobile sitting out there in the garage. They ain't moved an inch from when Mr. Worthen drove it over here from Central Motors. Seem like that insurance company doesn't give you a brand new car for nothing. That's your opinion. Yes. And my other opinion is. A fine, rich Jewish lady like yourself ain't got no business dragging herself up the steps of no trolley can, no grocery store bags. 
I might come along and care for you. I don't need you. I don't want you. And I don't like you saying I'm rich. Well, I won't say it no more. Is that what you and I dare to talk about in the kitchen? No, Miss Daisy. Oh, I no, we... hate this. I hate being discussed behind my back in my own house. I was born on Forsyth Street. And believe you me, I know the value of a penny. Yes, my brother Manny brought home a white cat one day, and Papa said we couldn't keep it because we couldn't afford to feed it. My sister saved up money so I could go to school to be a teacher. We didn't have anything. Yes, but you're doing all right now. She yeah, just didn't like, was... she didn't like gossip, or yeah, uh, which is, I don't know, more befitting her age, maybe. I don't know, because um, she was a teacher previously, right? Yes. She taught English. And uh, so she, she lived kind of modestly, I guess, maybe. And I assume it's her husband who had all the wealth. Her husband started a business. Right. And then but her son took over. Passed it down to his son after he died. And, right. And Dan Aykroyd made it even bigger, a bigger right. success. So Dan Aykroyd in this movie quite a lot compared to, you know, some of the movies that we've talked about with him. <laughs> like, Indiana Jones. Uh, specifically Indiana Jones. He was there for all of five seconds. Um, I totally bought Dan Aykroyd as this character. I didn't, you know, I guess I don't really watch too many Dan Aykroyd movies to say this, but I really feel like, you know, he was playing a character. I didn't feel like he was just Dan Aykroyd. Um, if they were doing the stage uh, play of this, like, I think all three of them would still be really good. You know what I mean? Uh, I bought Dan Aykroyd. <clears throat> thought he was pretty good. Ed, what did you think? Uh, I thought it was very much in sync with the rest of the, the 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 movie, I guess, as it were. Like, it's very big, his performance, I feel like. Very, I mean, this isn't, like, necessarily his fault. It's not, like, a bad thing, but it's, like, very big. Uh, it's, it's What state are they in, I'm sorry? Before I say Georgia. The wrong They're state. in Georgia. Very Georgia, yeah. He's got a very, very thick, uh, like molasses accent, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like big, heavy warble kind of thing. <laughs> uh, it's it was very it was amusing. I and he was the exposition between those two characters in a way. Like he 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 only popped up when it was necessary to either bring those two together or move them on to their next venture etc you know well that, um, that's true too because you get the expert he gives the exposition of his mother miss daisy he gives that all to morgan freeman and then morgan yeah. freeman tells dan Aykroyd all about his life so now we get all the background from morgan freeman right he's the one who hires him and that's where we yeah and then like anytime they have a problem Dan Aykroyd shows up kind of thing or he's the one they call or go to about that. Either one of them. Um, so it's pretty, it's a pretty fun uh, back and forth between him and going between those two being the uh, the middleman uh, I guess for lack of a better word, uh, I'm trying to think of the, he's the ambassador or he's the conduit between. between the two yes he he did his part nicely and like miguel was saying to see him do a much more extended role that wasn't just like pure comedy or whatever or like a glimpse of a role in indiana jones and the temple of doom um 
yeah, I mean, it was very different for him as far as what we've seen. And the fact that he was playing a Southern Jew, like through movies and television, when you think of Jewish people, you think of the New York Jew, the oy vey. And, and the fact that, the, you know, the Jewish religion, it's in the South. It's right. It's, Which I'm sure down there, they still experienced plenty of discrimination. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. Which we, yeah, which happens later in the film. Gotcha. Right, yeah. right. Um, I was curious, uh, Scott, I mean, you said you hadn't seen this before either. Um, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but what, do you remember what the reception was to this movie when it came out? Like, Obviously, it won Best Picture, but... Everybody loved this movie. Everybody loved this movie. And it made not only... It was one of those where it was a critical darling, and it made a huge amount of money at the box office. Sure. Which was... I'm going to touch on that. Because when it came out, everybody loved it. But I recently saw a... They had, like, a, a list of movies. It was, like, the top 10 movies that didn't age well. And this movie was on that list. Really? And I think it has a lot to do with, you know, the mo- Yezum, Yezum, ma'am, Yezum. I, oh, I, I think it has a lot to do with the way that uh, Morgan Freeman and their housekeeper. Like, but, yeah, uh, like, was, but to me, that's thinking, just the way it was in the 40s. Yeah, I'm sure it's just more of a historical accuracy. I think it's just, I don't know, because it uh, treats it so maybe lightheartedly like it's the the controversy bef- about that like the thing on the grander scale is uh i don't know maybe that's why it hasn't aged as well because it kind of glosses over it it's because the focus is purely on these two things happen around them and yeah i mean they kind of evolve i never really felt that uh jessica tandy I mean, she was an old woman. I don't think she changed a whole lot. She was just kind of like, at least to me, n- not a very likable character. Oh, really? I, yeah. I, uh, I, I get that. Because, I mean, yeah, she's meant to be kind of like this crotchety old woman. But yeah. uh, I thought they did a good job about never making her like disgustingly racist or, uh, you know what I mean? She wasn't quite... You know what I mean? Like cracking the whip, as if you could say that. I, you know, no. If anything, she was a little more of a product of her of the system. Yeah, yeah. Like, Uh, and he kind of holds a mirror up to that, and you know, over the course of all these years, she kind of softens a little bit. But you're right. No, it's not like at the end of it. You know what I mean? It's not like racism is over at the end of the movie. You know what I mean? She doesn't. For sure. You know. I thought it was interesting. I'm sorry. Where, I'm sorry. I was being such a dick all those years. Yeah. Throughout the movie, she keeps saying, "I am not racist," but those people, mm-hmm. referring to referring to black people, "I'm mm-hmm. not racist," but those people. Yep. And which I thought was a nice twist because she, her being Jewish, I'm sure she had to go through racism as a Jewish person. Yeah. Her yep. own discrimination. Yes, discrimination. Well, that's why I think it's, you know, I, if we can talk about it now, the, the one moment uh, that like, I like stopped and was like, oh my God, I, this is not what I thought was happening in the story 
But like when uh, they're stuck in that traffic in the rain and Hope gets back in the car and she's like, well, tell me what's going on. I'm going to be late for service. I'm, you know, might as well not even go. And he's like, well, you can't go. And then when he tells her like, oh, it's because uh, someone bombed the synagogue. Well, what is it? What took you so long? Oh, I couldn't help it, Miss Daisy. This big mess I've done. What's the matter? I might as well not go to the temple at all now. No, you, you ain't gonna be able to go to the temple this morning, Miss Daisy. Why not? What in the world is the matter with you? Somebody done bombed the temple. What? Bombed the temple? Yes. That's how come we stuck here so long. I don't believe it. Well, what the policeman just said, I thought. Oh, no. Oh, my God. What was anybody there? Were people hurt? I don't know. He didn't say. Who would do such a thing? Well, you know good as me, Miss Daisy. Always be the same ones. You know, I was just like, whoa, that is heavy. And that was really just a great catalyst of her getting a little bit of change because she was like, you know, it's not just it's just not black people in the South that are being discriminated against. It's, you know, Jews as well. I thought that was such a powerful moment for them to kind of see each other uh, because he has a really good line where she was like, who would do such a thing? And he was like, you know, you know exactly who did that. Right. And it was just like, wow, that was a really, that was a really cool moment to touch on that. And yeah, I think moving forward, it softened her a little bit because it was after that that she, I don't know how many years later, but eventually went to go see Martin Luther King. Um, And he was allowed inside. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like it changed everything a hundred percent. It didn't fix it. It didn't make things perfect. Yeah. But it, it gave her what she needed was just that like sense of, you know, uh, we're they're both you know they both have something that holds them back in in regular like white life you know what i mean right. Definitely. But, and, but then they find out that the synagogue has been bombed and then they're driving back home and morgan freeman tells a story about how his friend's dad was lynched yeah. when he was a child but the way he tell he doesn't tell it as he sort of tells it as a light a lighthearted story I found that really weird the way he conveyed that story uh, to her. He and she's like, "Why are you telling me the story?" And he's like, "I don't know. It, it just brought to my mind." But I found that a really odd scene where he just delivers that story as this really matter of factly with no emotion on it. Yeah, I, I saw that as him. I saw that as him being like, just telling her straight up how it is. You know what I mean? He's like, "This is." Yes, like you may not experience this all the time, but I saw this when I was 11. And Scott, to your point, he's not like having this like big dramatic monologue, but it's because that's probably not the only time in life that that's happened. Whereas opposed to the synagogue being bombed so late in her life, it's probably the first time she's experienced something so dramatic. And he experienced that when he was like, I think he said like 10 or 11 years old. 10 or 11, yes. And it's like, he's probably got a mountain worth of experiences like that. I enjoyed, I really, that whole block of scenes from her finding out that it was been bombed to him telling that story and then, then just kind of moving on. I, that was probably my favorite part of the whole movie. 
um, because it gave them just a little bit of growth. And as an audience member, too, you know, I was like, okay, man, I'm kind of seeing it kind of put me right in the right spot to kind of get to the end of that movie. I also really enjoyed uh, Idalia, I think is her name, the the housekeeper. Yeah. Uh, The I like that her and Morgan Freeman's character, Hope, they just click right away. They both understand what's going on their place in the house is to not, you know, ruffle feathers or whatever. Right. And even though they don't know each other, they take that moment to understand each other a hundred percent. You know what I mean? They're like, we know exactly what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I did. I, I agree. I liked her too. She was like a nice side role. And honestly, I just felt sorry for her yeah. at the end of her, her death is, was the first time that I was like actually shocked in the movie as well like idalia dying and then the synagogue being bombed those were my two like standout moments she was you know so loyal to this lady who is who probably just like hope when uh, idalia first got started you know uh jessica tanis character um daisy was probably just as cold and rude to her but they right. learned she like jessica tandy says like we learned to stay out of each other's way and kind of learned how to live life together yeah and then that's kind of exactly what happens with Hoke too. I mean, Hoke's after she dies, he stays and spends all these years with her, and he just becomes like the next person, kind of help usher her to the to watch it. yeah, the end. yeah, makes it sad. Yeah, I mean, it is. Again. It is sad. You know, it's like it's not. And what's crazy about it is to Scott's point about that monologue. Uh, uh, the racism in this movie is not like overly like beating you over the head. It's like this like southern it's like said with a smile kind of deal. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, I don't like it. It's gross. And I think they do a good job about portraying the South in that way, in that time. It's all. Yeah. I mean, like ultimately you've got the son who's kind of just making needs so he can Mm -hmm. continue doing what he's doing. Not that he's like a neglectful, neglectful son, but it's just that kind of especially back then you rely on the help to take care of all of that stuff and then keep them posted and you know just basically stay in line yeah i think it was just like a a hopeful albeit realistic take on just that kind of situation and what it would have played out like like you'd like to think that these people when being like living around these people for so long and you know entrusting them with a lot of like your most personal things you know you start to rub off on one another and hopefully for the better so um yeah in that in that way it's like again sentimental and for the time that this movie came out it's very much in that kind of um in that same vein well, what I liked is this movie, Dan Aykroyd could have very easily been the son who was just, I'm done with my mother. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he is a very caring son. He, he cares for her the best that he can. Uh, he doesn't shun her whenever there's a problem. He always goes over to the point where it causes a little strife between him and his wife at the beginning of the film where the thing is Jessica Tandy does not want, Morgan Freeman as a driver she wants to drive herself and she's and that struck home with me because my dad is in his 90s and he is just so so stubborn and I could just really identify (laughs) dealing with a a stubborn parent and 
Apparently, Morgan Freeman took a can of salmon and fixed lunch, and she wanted to get him fired over that can of salmon. So she calls Dan Aykroyd over, and Dan Aykroyd's going to fire him, and then Morgan Freeman comes. Well, yesterday I borrowed a can of salmon, but I bought another one to replace it. And then she just, like, dismisses the idea so quickly, too. I think that's a good moment. She's like, well, anyway, I got to go get dressed now. Yeah. And it's yeah. Like, okay, well, you can stay then. You know what I mean? So, Ed, you didn't like Jessica Tandy or you didn't like her just because she was crotchety or how did you feel about? Maybe a little bit. Like, I don't think there was like through to the end, like um, when they were on that uh, family uh, road trip or rather they were taking a road trip to go to like the family reunion or whatever at Christmas. Yeah. yeah. And like she nearly made him like wet himself like she didn't want him to pull over because they were running late and I he stands about up that. There, which I was very glad about but yeah like for that like stage in the movie that was like surprising to me that she was still uh pulling shit like that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know that, so that made me a little like mad at her for that and she never like apologized or anything and she got to the party you know and it was so I don't know but it, just yeah that you get to a point where you think like okay she's kind of grown and she does um but it's like every now and again she needs like a stern reminder you know just like hey don't be don't be like that kind of thing you know it's you're yeah i i it wasn't like a not that it needed like a huge redemption i'm not saying she was a villain or anything like no yeah um but just more like uh, I guess again in that in that in that kind of setup in that kind of situation from black people like who were basically family to them, but never really willing to acknowledge that. Like she didn't acknowledge that until basically she was one Old. foot out the door. Yeah, yeah, you know done, what I yeah. mean. Like when she's too weak and needs somebody to basically just take care of her full time and that kind of devotion that they keep coming back to mm-hmm. you know do they earn that devotion it's questionable you know well i and- think she does some good things as well and you're right like that that point in the movie you know she's so caught up and so self-centered in that moment that yeah. she would make a, another person you know possibly wet themselves yeah yes for something like that and you're right it is a good moment that morgan freeman is just like no he immediately puts his foot down and it's just like now i'll be back but i think she when they go to the christmas party um she hands him she's like it's not a christmas present i don't give christmas presents but she hands him that book because she wants him to learn how to read you know that's like that teaching was something and you kind of get this sense and the later in the movie when she's having that like episode teaching was probably the thing that made her feel uh, like she was giving something back to the world you know what i mean and uh, to to teach a person gave her great pride and uh it was a, a kindness that she was giving to him and i think that was you know there's not these like big redeemable moments but it was a a small one that was at least like okay they're Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's making an effort, which as much as she, you know, you can hope she can do. Sure, I I, I can appreciate that. And again, you, you're right. There, it's like kind of uh, peppered throughout the movie, throughout the story, where it 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 is like they butt heads, and she comes out the wiser for it. Like with that 
canned salmon situation. Like mm-hmm. she was trying to find reasons not to trust him, kind of thing. Um, and obviously comes around to it, but like, yeah, uh, she needed constant reminding, maybe. And like Dan Aykroyd's character is more of just like, oh well, that's just my mama, you know, <laughs> and rolls on to the next five years or whatever. But, uh, you know, I think my favorite Dan Aykroyd scene in this movie, or what I thought was his best scene, was when he comes to the house to talk to Jessica Tandy. She's gonna, she's getting ready to go to, uh, to get ready to go to this dinner that Martin Luther King is going to be speaking at. And he comes in, and w- what I was thinking was, they, what I was saying before him was, <clears throat> they kind of make him like this neutral character, Dan Aykroyd, and he's never really. Uh, the bad guy one way or the other or anything like that and he tries to just kind of make sure everyone's okay and move forward but he is still a product of his environment as well and he's not uh, he's not perfect or good really 100% but he comes in and he tells her you know basically you know well I can't go to this dinner and he kind of implies like you probably shouldn't either uh, Miss McClatchy gave me a message Florina's invited too thank you I guess Hoke should drive us. There'll be a crowd. Mama, we have to talk about this. Talk about what? About the feasibility of all this. Now, you know, I believe Martin Luther King has done some mighty fine things. Booty, if you don't want to go, why don't you just come right out and say so? I want to go. You know how I feel about him. Of course, but Florine. Florine has nothing to do with it. I still have to conduct business in this town. I see. Worth and Bag will go out of business if you attend the King dinner. Not exactly. But a lot of men I do business with wouldn't like it. They might snicker a little and call me Martin Luther Worthen behind my back. Maybe I wouldn't hear about certain lunch meetings at the Commerce Club. And old Jack Raphael at Ideal Mills, you know, he's a New York Jew instead of a Georgia Jew. And all the really smart ones come from New York, don't they? Some of the boys might start throwing their business to Jack instead of to old Martin Luther Worthen. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't happen. But sometimes that's the way things work. Anyway, if we don't use those seats, somebody else will. If we don't use those seats, I'm not supposed to go either? Well, Mama, you can do whatever you want. Oh, thanks for your permission. Can I ask you something? When did you get so fired up about Martin Luther King? Time was, I'd have heard a different story. Why, Booty, I've never been prejudiced in my life, and you know it. Okay. Well, why don't you ask Hoke to go with you? Hoke? Don't be ridiculous. He wouldn't go. Ask him and see. Uh, Because it would affect him and his business negatively, simply because... Uh, some of the businessmen that he works with are probably racist and they don't want to hear from Martin Luther King. And they're probably already, uh, he's probably already quote unquote walking on ice or eggshells uh, because he's Jewish and he's not trying to rock the boat by adding another, you know what I mean? Another um, layer, another layer on top of Yeah. That. Give him. And I, I think he has some good lines where he says, you know, they're going to start calling me, you know, Martin Luther worth it. And he starts <laughs> kind of, he starts kind of playing into her, uh, uh, feelings about people talking behind their back and you know kind of keeping the the rumors or uh 
whatever in the background, quiet. You know what I mean? Always have always be presentable. And he plays to that kind of, uh, uh, I can't think of the word I'm saying, but how she feels about that as well, thinking that that's going to get her to come around. Um, and she doesn't. And he implies, well, just go ahead and invite Hoke then. I bet Hoke would want to go. And I, anyway, I just thought it was a good scene for Dan Aykroyd's character, uh, blanking on the same, uh, Martin uh, Worthen, whatever his first name is. Mr. Daisy. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I thought it was a, a good scene for him to kind of show that, to show the audience that he's not 100% on the up and up either. Well, there was another yeah. scene that showed that he was not 100% on the open up, 100% on the up and up. And it's very subtle. When he was on his business meeting, he calls to talk to his mom and you see this woman in his hotel room. She walks across. It's a very, very subtle, but that's another just little thing that shows you that he's not on the up and up oh. he's having an affair. Wow. I don't, I, I don't think I caught that because they, they don't really, you see his wife a good couple times, but I just didn't even put that together. Uh, that no, that yeah. was not I thought, I thought it was, well, I guess I don't know. I, I guess I thought I had just assumed it was still his wife. Yeah, because I was more focused Maybe. on the conversation he was having. I just didn't, right. I wasn't quite thinking that far, but yeah, I mean, that would be, just another way to in- indicate, you know what I mean? He's not, <laughs> he's not a hundred percent perfect. He's not, it, it, yeah, he's not a perfect human being. No. And he implies, there's a lot of implication. I mean, for his mother too, that his wife isn't very pleasant, at least not to her. Yeah. He tries to kind of keep her away or rather keep him away from her. Uh, well, from being a mummy's boy, maybe. Well, Jessica Tandy doesn't like Dan Aykroyd's wife because she right. is trying not to be Jewish. She celebrates Christmas. Oh yeah, right. There, uh, Dan Aykroyd's she wife him up is like trying a little to, cowboy. yeah, trying to downplay their Jewishness. And Jessica Tandy, right. whatever you say about Jessica Tandy, she is not ashamed of being Jewish. She is proud of being Jewish. She doesn't hide it from anybody. And that's why she doesn't like Dan Aykroyd's wife. Wow. I can't believe I missed that uh, whole thing in the background. I'll have to watch it again. With the affair, yeah. yeah. No, that's... Uh... I will say this is definitely one of those movies like Christmas with the Cranks. No, I'm not going to go back and rewatch. <laughs> I watched Indiana Jones, but not because of Dan Aykroyd. But uh, Driving Miss Daisy is definitely one of those movies that I liked all the characters. I liked all the actors that I you know, would totally revisit this movie more than once, probably. I think you 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 made a good point at when you were talking earlier about it being kind of like a comfort movie, like a Sunday movie. I rewatched Rain Man again recently. In fact, I think watching Driving Miss Daisy made me want to watch Rain Man. And yeah, that movie too. It's just like it's kind of there's like a feel good message at the end, you know. These people taking care of one another, like one person taking care of somebody else who uh you know has trouble with society or is just getting old or whatever you know it's just like just funny parallels but yeah it's definitely of that ilk of movie that maybe like a little sentimental a little glossy over history yeah you know and sugarcoats it but like the overall message is heartwarming and hopeful like i said earlier it's kind of you know even though she's an old lady or whatever, it's like showing that like even like the oldest people who are stuck to their ways kind of thing come around or whatever. Let me ask even you, the most- 
how did you guys feel at the end of the movie? Like, you know, Ed, you were kind of hot and cold with Jessica Taney's character. Yeah. But... I thought it was... Uh, we're talking about, like, in their retirement home when they come and visit. Yeah, so, yeah, she's been two years in this home. They're selling the yeah. house. Morgan Freeman doesn't really get out to see her too much. Right. Because he doesn't drive anymore. Because he can't, yeah. Right, Yeah. I um, was I was a hundred percent sure this movie was going to end with Miss Daisy's funeral. I yeah. was a hundred percent sure. I thought that's exactly how it's going to end, and the fact that it didn't, I enjoyed that. That she yeah. was still alive at the end of the film subverted those expectations. They yeah. even have that line. I mean, because yeah, when they're selling the house and it's just Dan Aykroyd and Hope uh, standing in the house talking to each other. Uh, you're like, oh yeah, she's gone. She's dead. And then he's like, nah, it's, it feels so bad to sell the house while she's still alive. And I feel like everyone's like, oh. That was tricky, for sure. Yeah, yeah they tried to get uh, us. Yeah, I remember thinking that. Because yeah, again, it kind of subverts your expectation. But um, I mean, whether retirement home is any better, I don't know. But like, yeah. yeah. It was sweet, though. I mean, because back then, like, not everybody was driving anyway, you know, so having a car, having access to a car uh, to go, you know, not on the freeway, like this quiet interstate that I'm sure took hours or whatever. So I'm sure that was like a journey for a very sweet moment. I appreciate they didn't have that standard deathbed scene where she was she'd be dying in bed and, and he was standing over, you know, you're my, you know, you're my best friend. And then she dies. I appreciate that that was not yeah. in the movie, um, that they didn't go in yeah. that direction. Right. But the implication is that... You know, I feel like we've said implication a lot in this movie, and I feel like that's a really good testament to the script. Like, they really do let the audience fill in the holes, you know, just kind of imagine where these characters could go without, you know, overtly telling you. Uh, and I, I liked that. Uh, and to Scott's point, yeah, it, it was kind of nice that they were just sitting together having a quiet moment as opposed to, like, uh, as we talked about earlier, this isn't a really a movie with like grand monologues. Or it was a good ending. I like it's it. preachy. It's not preachy. No, no. To Ed's point a second ago, you did mention like it does kind of gloss over history, and that made me think about Scott saying this movie was on a list of movies that, a list of movies that doesn't hold up well now. Yeah. And you're right. I think if they made Driving Miss Daisy for the very first time today, uh, I think it would be probably a TV show and probably a little more. Uh, diving a little bit more into race relations and things like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, for what it was, Driving Miss Daisy, seeing it for the first time, uh, I know we're not rating it or anything, but you know, I gave it a thumbs up. I was, I enjoyed it and would watch it again. It was charming enough, like the characters, and it it was like I, I think I said at the beginning, it was like surprisingly fast paced. Mm. Um, like things moved along, it didn't drag. Was anybody else shocked when you heard the N word uh, that in that one scene when they got pulled over by the co- <laughs> these white Southern cops? And oh man, no, I mean, I, I guess I kind of felt like there were going to be trouble. Uh, that usually in a movie like that, that's definitely the implication when the cop, cops show up, yeah. Um, Wow. So, yeah. Scott, that's a good point. I didn't think about that in the moment, but you're right. We go that entire movie where you think Jessica Tandy's going to come in strong with that. You know what that's I mean? That's true. Yeah. And even the people 
people in their everyday lives, you just never really experience that until it's this tense moment with the police. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it really does like, and, and she's kind of taken aback by, I feel like that moment as well. She's, you know, she tries to smooth it over at, at, the, at the start real quick. Well, this is my car and that's enough, you know? Uh, but of course they have to kind of highlight the struggle that a black man would have to go through, especially, you know, in a different state in the South. Right. Um, I did appreciate that it wasn't, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of when movies use the N-word to highlight racism. It's like racism is real already. Uh, not that the N-word's not real, but it's just like, uh, sometimes like, you know, I've said this before, like Quentin Tarantino uses the N-word in his movies a lot. And it's like, ah, my favorite. But uh, to highlight that moment and to kind of give it a punch uh, to make you feel like, yeah, gross. Yeah, it was used appropriately, I guess, but. I liked that they didn't use it for the rest of the movie either. My final thoughts is, yes, I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed Dan Aykroyd's performance in the movie. I would go back. I would visit this movie again. Uh, And to Ed's point, where we don't see a lot of growth in Miss Daisy, that's, that's just typical of older people. Once people get set in their ways, it's very, very hard to get them out of their ways. So I thought the film was a bit more realistic that she didn't have a complete 180. She did change a little bit, but once people reach a certain yeah. age, it's like you you can't get them out of the zone that they're in. And you kind of have to appreciate yeah. the subtle changes that are made. Yes. You know, yeah. her, her being so warm to him by the end of that movie and wanting to see him instead of her son was nice. All right, we're fading out yeah, again. Definitely. So, not I'm ending this podcast right now. Complete. I want to thank my guests, Miguel and Ed. Thank you for doing Driving Miss Daisy. Don't use Zoom. It fucking yeah. sucks. And I'll see everybody here next time <laughs> on the Dan Aykroyd podcast. Woo! It was a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you, guys. As you can tell, we had some difficulties with Zoom there at the end of our podcast, and I just wanted to make sure that everybody got to voice their feelings on Driving Miss Daisy. First off, here is Eddie Ball. Hey, Scott, this is Ed, uh, back with my uh, final uh, summary uh, and thoughts on Driving Miss Daisy. Um, You know, it's just one of those movies that is on a long list of movies that you just kind of, you have to check off in life. Uh, It's not as memorable as, like, say, Forrest Gump or Goodfellas, but it's good. It's well done. It's entertaining. It's well acted. It's just very much a movie of its time. Everybody was fine. Dan Aykroyd was fine, though I don't think you would find him getting nominated for a role like that these days. The movie itself is very dated in its sentiment, but overall, just a fine movie. It's funny just to look back at that decade, seeing who won Best Pictures back then, that this was amongst them. There were definitely just better movies in general that decade. But um, you know what? I've seen this movie now. I've checked it off of my list. I can say I've seen it. I I don't regret seeing it. And uh, yeah, it was a good experience. Good to see Dan Aykroyd in a Oscar-nominated role, which I'm sure he will never say again. But 
thanks again for bringing me on to do this. I'm glad I got to do this with you and Miguel. I always have fun with you and doing your podcast, so please keep me in mind for the next one. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of Dan Aykroyd work I haven't seen. Um, So, yeah, thanks very much, and fuck, fuck Zoom. And here we have Miguel Sanchez. Hey, Scott, thanks again for having me on, man, to talk about Driving Miss Daisy. Um, Thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Uh, Finished it and kind of was kicking myself for not having seen it uh, much sooner. I thought Jessica Tandy and Morgan Freeman uh, and Dan Aykroyd himself uh, all had just beautifully complex characters uh, that you cared about, that you wanted to see more of. just was impressed, especially with Dan Aykroyd, to be honest. Uh, I think of him as more of an SNL actor, and he's always doing these goofy, silly roles. And here was uh, a well-rounded character. Um, Can't wait to watch it again. Was really glad to get on to talk to you and Ed about it. Uh, Thanks for having me on, and just can't wait to watch whatever other Dan Aykroyd movie we've got next. All right, man. Appreciate it. Bye. As for my final thoughts, I thought Driving Miss Daisy was a very, very good movie. I enjoyed all the performances. I enjoyed the story. I thought Dan Aykroyd did a fantastic job. I thought he held his own against two acting heavyweights with Morgan Freeman and Jessica Tandy. I would highly recommend this movie, but I would say this. You have to be in the right mood to watch this movie. It's not a movie that you just pop in and have in the background. This is a movie where you have to sit down, just open your mind, and take the movie in as it happens. And that's it. And we'll see everybody here next time. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash scottwhite and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. Don't you think that, Happy Thanksgiving, Mama. Look who I brought. Morning, Miss Daisy. You've been keeping yourself busy? She certainly has. She goes to jewelry making. How many times a week? She makes all kinds of things. Pins, bracelets. That right. She's a regular Tiffany's. Ain't that something? <laughs> all right, Mama. <clears throat> Hoke, I thought of you the other morning on the expressway. Yes? Yeah, I saw an Avondale milk truck. Is that right? Yeah, big monster of a thing. Must have had about 16 wheels. Go on, waiting, yes. Yeah, I wondered how you might like driving that thing around. Hope came to see me, not you. Mm. Looking like one of her good days. Um, Mama Florine asked me to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. She's in Washington, you know. Remember, Mama, she's a Republican National Committee woman now. Good God. Bully, go charm the nurses. She wants you all to herself. <laughs> yeah, do, Mama.
This has been a Cross the Streams Media Podcast. Did I do that? I did that. Oh, okay. I was about to hit leave meeting. <laughs> Good. My neighbor's dog starts barking. He, that goddamn dog knows whenever I record anything because that's when he starts barking. <laughs> He's like, hey, Scott, you recording? Yeah. Scott. Um, Once again, I'm jealous of Ed's flowing locks. It's like Ed's got the best <laughs> hair. <laughs> Thanks. It's a little overgrown, but uh, I'll I'll always take a compliment about my hair, Scott. Yeah, Do I'm well thinking too. of getting mine tight like Miguel's. That's nice and tight. There you go. Uh, it, it took all of five minutes. <laughs> Beautiful. In some spots, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it does get hot around this morning and it was awful fuck that how's the audio does it sound okay i can see i can hear you guys fine i realized i didn't have my headphones that what I, that's what i was like looking around for sorry about that if i close this window real quick and open this other one y'all can still hear me right yeah yeah okay i've got notes on my phone so i'm just not really notes i'm just looking at the wikipedia but <laughs> <laughs> Want to make sure I got all my facts, like you know, directors and whatnot. Ed, had you seen this movie before we had to watch it for this podcast? No. Yeah, me either. Yeah, me either. This is my first time. For real? Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, that's uh, awesome. I mean, when I heard that uh, Dan Aykroyd got nominated for an Oscar, I had to watch it. <laughs> Yeah, I was keeping that in mind while I was watching it. And I was just like, all right, you know, he's doing a pretty good job. I don't know how Ed's going to feel about it, but. Yeah, well, well, well. <laughs> we shall see. Yeah. You guys aren't waiting on me, are you? Are we? It seems like you're, it seems like you're doing something there. <laughs> oh, man. No, sorry. I'm just like taking notes on the Oscars, but we can definitely start. Okay. Uh, sorry about that. No worries. <laughs> We were recording it on. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dan Aykroyd podcast. I may leave all that stuff in. There was a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> that came before this introduction. But we are back. And I am back with Miguel.